Hello listeners and welcome to the latest shorter footnote episode of the Fancy Animation Podcast with me, Chris Holiday, And me, Alex Sargent. And the reason you can tell it's a footnote episode is I'm eating a flapjack currently. We're relaxed. We're chilling yeah, out. Right. It's a non-official recording. <laughs> I, I was going to mention the flapjack yeah. and then I thought, don't do that, it's unprofessional. It's really good. And you've gone straight in with it. Mm. So um, it's probably just as well then that, the, that we're doing two two terms or one term with two components. One gives term you... with, with two components. Okay, so Three gives... if you add the and. Okay, so it gives you a little time to just finish your your <laughs> flapjack so we're doing sword and sorcery so i i don't know much about sword and sorcery beyond i think the kinds of sword and sorcery that might be filed under as such or labeled as such in a in a blockbuster if this was the 90s or um uh, netflix or something that something epic fantasy i'm thinking prince of persia um but i un- i also understand that it is a specific subgenre of fantasy that has yeah perhaps a lot of moving parts that has a particular relationship to energy and, and violence um and heroism but I'm not going to say anything because this is this is fantasy so I'm going to hand over to to Alex so I realize I need to set my 10 minute timer which I don't have. Oh, good. We really, we're really. This is this is informal podcasting, everybody. While Chris gets the timer, um, this was a prompted out of a response we had on Facebook from one of the friends of the show, Murray Leader, who um, has been on before. Has been on before. Yeah. Listen to our SCMS specials um, where he talks about his book and research on that. Um, who responded um, to one of our or left a comment under one of our episodes on uh, on Facebook. Um, where he said, uh, this was in response to the episode we did on high fantasy versus low fantasy, uh, my recollection from the time in publishing was that high fantasy was not used so much in contrast with low fantasy as with sword and sorcery. Um, good point, Murray, well made, and I think that highlights that perhaps the way I covered source and sorcery, sword and sorcery uh, on that episode is worth refining and just elaborating and going over. So I thought it'd be good to do 10 minutes on the, the history of, of the term sword and sorcery. Right, okay, so listeners, uh, get your coffee on, get your flapjack ready. We are going to do, well, we, Alex, is going to talk about sword and sorcery, and I will start the timer now. What do you want to know? Uh what type of sword? What, what sort of sorcery? <laughs> right, so sword and sorcery um, is a term used retrospectively. I believe around the 1960s the term was coined. But it was used retrospectively to refer to a wave of fantasy writing that actually emerged in the 19, sort of 30s to 1950s, pre-Tolkien. When we did the high fantasy episode, I talked about the, the, the kind of really important role that Tolkien plays in defining the second half of the 20th century's fantasy storytelling and all of that was true but the thing I did neglect to point out was that that wasn't the birth of any kind of popular fantasy storytelling in the 20th century where fantasy is really kind of resurgent and shows its kind of populist appeal first and foremost, is in the early pulp fiction of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So we're talking about short stories, magazines sold for like a dime um, during the paperback revolution, during the kind of, you know, the the cost of paper goes down and people can make these kind of cheap-to-make, cheap-to-purchase um, magazines that, that that kids and teenagers and adults uh, buy alike uh, and that's where we get the birth of a lot of early fantasy writing so we're talking Edgar Rice Burroughs and his you know um, uh, John Carter from Mars and all that kind of stuff Tarzan as well comes out of all this sort of stuff 
So as a sword and sorcery. Well, no, no, no. In these, in these right, pulp right, fiction okay. magazines. Sure, sure. And then, of course, the writings of Robert E. Howard, who he's best known for his Conan uh, stories. Now okay, you may know Conan from his Arnold Schwarzenegger incarnation, or from the '90s television cartoon Conan the Adventurer. But these, so it, it's really Robert E. Howard and that kind of world that is defined later on as sword and sorcery. Okay, so. It's historical fiction. I, I've got the word swashbuckling mm. in floating around my brain. I suppose my, my bigger question is is the, is is the way that I've heard you talk about fantasy history and that it seems like there are distinct waves and, and, and moments of fantasy, that fantasy is this amorphous thing that is continuing, yeah. but actually there, there are peaks and troughs of fantasy and, and we call them different things. And I was, yeah. try, when I looked up Sword and Sorcery, I've got from the 1960s until the kind of 1980s, there was the so uh, Swordsman and Sorcerer's Guild of America to promote and enlarge the sword and sorcery genre. So is this a genre that, comes in and out of fashion that is revived that is I, I feel like that's a lot with fantasy that, that fantasy films come in and out of, of of time but maybe that's to do with the way that we, we think about their political function well it's you know I've made this point before Brian Atterbury makes his, this point in Strategies of Fantasy fantasy um, or the fantastic means any kind of imaginative story that could be anything fantasy as a genre tends to mean the ways in which commercial entities and popular opinion has codified and made standardized this mode of writing so really we're talking about popular successes and ways in which to capitalize on them so we have this wave of sword and sorcery in the 1930s 40s and 50s um, as you say yes kind of historical fiction but also you know, um, a kind of freewheeling sense of magic, a slightly more kind of rough around the edges sense of world building, less evocation of myth than right. high fantasy. It's less, uh, rev it's it's more, you know, it's it's more or it's less reverential. I should say it's more violent. It's more um, sexualized. Um, and, and also it's important to point out is that these writers are actually often conceiving themselves as kind of alternatives to Hollywood cinema. So this is 30s, 40s, 50s, and the sense was, you know, what they were offering was a sort of low-cost equivalent of big-budget movie making. Right. So rather than go to the cinema and watch a Douglas Fairbanks or watch, um, you know, King Kong or watch these kind of movies, you could pay a dime, get the magazine, and read them for yourself. So they are conceived within the world of cinema as well. Oh, so I was going to say, uh, what, what I again, when I think of, of Sword and Sorcerer, I think of, of an issue of quality and kind of budget and lower budget. And, and is this something... Is this something true of, say, you know, I think we were like, oh, well, for those of us who remember, have a particular vision of what 1970s, maybe 80s fantasy looks like. And you mentioned Schwarzenegger and that a particular kind of, of I don't know, c clunky kind of movie. So what, yeah. what, what's, what, sort of, what, what is fantasy doing in the 1980s? How does Sword and Sorcery fit in? Is it, is it well thought of? Is it, is it considered sort of, yeah, kind of lowbrow? You're right. There's an element of prestige perhaps attached right? to the categories, but there shouldn't be. The way fantasy fans would refer to them doesn't necessarily mean that. High fantasy refers to the kind of the mythic mode that Tolkien, you know, Tolkien is an Oxford professor. Um, he's a guy who's a professor in linguistics. He's interested in using fantasy stories to re-engage in folklore and and, and highlight language systems and language structures. You know, this guy is not the sort of teenager that's reading Conan stories, right? So there are kind of two yeah. worlds schism there. But quite quickly, his books get kind of. You know, his books become 
you know, the legitimised face of fantasy. So at the expense of these other kinds, sort of, of and sort of not, right? You sort of, if you're a fantasy fan, you read both. If you're a literary fan, you just read The Lord of the Rings and you wouldn't be seen dead reading a Conan story. By the time we get to the cinematic incarnations of these things, yes. because fantasy in the sort of late 70s, early 80s is not particularly well regarded by sort of Hollywood's traditional critical elites, it does operate in that kind of more, you know, rough around the edges, a bit naff. These are all in quotation marks, yeah. but yeah. So you, it might be fairer to call these things sword and sorcery, but th- at the same time, I wouldn't describe, um, you know, John Borman's Excalibur as sword and sorcery. It's got a quite a high fantasy mythical register, um, but I would describe something like Beastmaster as sword and sorcery. So it's a slippery dimension. Um, as I say, I think the word has currency within a cinematic context because it does imply a kind of less focus on. L- the nuances of world building and more focus on kind of spectacle and razzmatazz and um, mm. yeah, slightly more kind of um, laissez-faire attitude to kind of world building because Conan kind of just sort of runs around and just fights different kind of beasts and monsters depending on what world Robert E. Howard wants to conjure up and it's a similar kind of logic of, of sword and sorcery. So a quick, a quick Google of sword and sorcery has given me the greatest hits of fancy animation, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, sure. Wizards, as well as a couple of other Bakshi stuff, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't know, I haven't seen many Arnie films across the board, but Conan the Barbarian, uh, you mentioned The Beastmaster, and then Fire and Ice, another, yeah, another, yeah, another sure, Bakshi. Sure. Another. And I'll say that I think the line between these two is pretty distinct. And, it, and, and I, I, Murray's point about the distinction within publishing is probably fair because those two categories are being sold to fantasy fans. I'm not sure that distinction applies within academic circles very much. Um, and I don't think when the term high fantasy was conceived of within fantasy literary criticism, it was conceived of to be a counter to um, sword and sorcery. So again, these terms get created to help categorise and labellise things, but then other terms get created that aren't necessarily working in tandem with previous categories, yeah? So it's not like one can go easily in one and one can go easily in the other. It's just different ways of sorting um, sorting the kaleidoscopic world of fantasy into categories. Yeah, it doesn't seem, again, I'm looking at sort of the sorcery kind of example films that the internet's throwing up, it doesn't look like it's a particularly prominent genre or sub-genre of fantasy post 2000s Dungeons but, and Dragons and but and that's but that's because I don't think we would want to label it as such right right what, right, what, right. what I guess what Jackson's does Jackson's film does what Tolkien's fil- book does in that Jackson's film version of the Lord of the Rings re-injects a level of critical prestige into fantasy that doesn't exist prior to this moment right so it's all quite like you know classist as to what word you use you know um Fantasy, fantasy, high fantasy carries a bit more of a kind of oomph and a sense of literary prestige. But you know, look at something like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a is a, a, a TV series and a, and a novel series that is very much a kind of well, uh, George R. R. Martin describes it as a kind of post nine eleven version of the Lord of the Rings. Um, and yet, within that, even there are definite influences of Robert E. Howard's Conan stories. I mean. The Dothraki, Essos, all this sort of stuff in Game of Thrones is just, it's just, I mean, the guy that plays, um, 
plays the main Dothraki character in Game of Thrones goes on to play Conan in um, in the latest Conan right, movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's not. Uh, um, so I think the, it's more about what prestige you want to hold these things and the way these words are used by people um, rather than any kind of genre category. Even though that's what they originally were meant to, to serve as. So you've got forty seconds. All right, thirty seconds now. Give me a couple of sources. Where are we going for sword and sorcery? Well, always for these kind of terms, a good place to go to is John Clute and John Grant's um, Encyclopedia of Fantasy. That's okay. a really good one for all these kind of what, where the terms are and where do they come from. Um, my, my book uh, has a chapter on... Um, the ways in which fantasy is made more intellectual post Lord of the Rings that might be helpful to to unpack some of this stuff. Um, yeah, uh, that's it. That's, that'll do. You got yeah five seconds to go. So listeners, if you are you know if you have a sword, practice sorcery. Maybe this episode's for you. I'm definitely not as well versed in 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 the sword and sorcery subgenre. My only when it when it came up as a potential option, my only thought was Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal mm. and and maybe kind of Gladiator. I was thinking Gladiator and 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 it surprises me maybe that sword and sorcery films, depending on how we labour them, aren't. I would expect the rising digital technology and sort of spectacle to to be the perfect or to find a perfect home in sword and sorcery, perhaps. But um, yeah, there, there is go. a new Dungeons and Dragons coming out soon, so we might might see it there. But okay. otherwise. I guess that's been us for an episode. Um, I'm still eating my flapjack, everybody. But if you'd like to contribute to one of these episodes, um, spoiler alert, there's a future one coming up where I'm eating the other half of this flapjack. Um, you can contribute by fananim research, F-A-N-A-N-I-M research at gmail.com. Um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, same handle will work just as well. Leave us a comment, tag us in, ask us um, to elaborate or engage with anything, and we'll happily do so. That's what these episodes are there for. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Bye.